to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers, importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So I'm very excited to welcome back to the show one of my favorite people and I think one of the best brilliant minds we have in beer, Teresa McCullough. She is a curator for the American Brewing History Initiative through the National Museum of American History. Teresa, I know you're an incredibly busy human being, so I'm incredibly grateful that you made time for the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. If you could, um, for listeners who maybe are new to the show or haven't listened to previous episodes, can you give people just a little bit of a recap of what you do and, you know, why you're amazing? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the first part of that. Yeah, that's you're, fair. you're too kind. <laughs> so as you mentioned, I'm the curator of the American Brewing History Initiative at the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History. And this is a project to build a new collection related to the histories of home brewing and craft beer in the U.S. at the Smithsonian. And when I joined the museum in early 2017, the museum had rich but um, fairly limited collections that really emphasized the history of beer in the late 19th century, early 20th century, focused on advertising material, some brewing equipment, but really the history of this phenomenal ongoing and recent growth in beer had not yet been documented in a, a scholarly and a comprehensive and a kind of nationwide way. And so that has been my, my job for the last five years. Pretty cool job. It's, it's, <laughs> I, it's amazing. I can't complain. So as you've kind of worked on, on this, on this uh, collection here, you know, you've been able to travel around the U.S., get some really amazing interviews, some really phenomenal artifacts. What were some kind of standout artifacts um, that you've been able to collect over, over the past couple of years? It's hard to pick a favorite, but so the, the food exhibit, the food history exhibit on the uh, first floor of the American History Museum, if you walk into the museum from Constitution Avenue, take a left, you'll see Julia Child's Kitchen, which is this amazing crown jewel of the exhibit. And the larger exhibit explores uh, changes to how Americans have eaten and what we have been drinking for the last 50 years plus. And the, the back right of the gallery now focuses on the beginnings of microbrewed and homebrewed beer, especially in California, Colorado, the 1960s through 1980s. And so many of the treasures that I was able to collect in the first couple years on the job are now on display there. So things like homebrewer Charlie Papazian's homebrewing spoon, which he calls his charismatic spoon or the microscope that uh, Fritz Maytag used to view samples of beer from uh, Anchor Brewing Company and correct in the inconsistencies in the beer and then perfect his recipe for steam beer. But, but also wonderful things like the uh, original lineup of tap handles from the bar at Buffalo Bill's Brewery in Hayward, California, uh, one of the first brew pubs in the country. Uh, and then more recently, some items from Sam Calagione at Dogfish Head Craft Brewery. As we know, he invented the technique of continual hopping. So when you buy a 60-minute IPA, a 90-minute IPA, it's been continually hopped for that amount of time. And Sam invented that process with some unexpected tools, which is uh, he, he ran to a local thrift shop in Delaware and bought a vintage vibrating football game and hooked it up over his boil kettle and used the vibrations of the game to uh, continually shake pelletized hops down into his uh, his boil. And so he kindly donated the 
football game as well as the boil kettle, um, which are safe in our, our collections rooms now. And then I can't talk about them fully yet because the deeds of gift have not been signed. But um, for the last year and a half, my focus has really sh- uh, shifted really to thinking about how this this ongoing experience of the COVID-19 pandemic and these movements for racial and social justice, you know, how those have been experienced in the brewing industry. And so the goal is to bring artifacts into the museum that can really help preserve those in, in material form. Oh, that's amazing. And and I think it's I think it's really great to have the opportunity to be collecting these things and talking to the people and getting the interviews while it's still fairly fresh, you know? Yeah. Yes, I agree. And that's been, um, you know, and that was something that I, I realized, you know, as soon as, and I don't want to shift the conversation too much toward, uh, toward COVID, but, um, you know, as soon as we all began to work from home last spring, you know, I and many other curators at the museum certainly felt a strong desire to collect what was happening around us. And, and that was, you know, reflected in beer just as it is in any aspect of American life. And so, that has meant continuing to record oral histories via Zoom with uh, with people all over the country, and you know I've been able to gather impressions from um, from figures in the industry at, at interesting and very different points along the way. So, you know, I spoke with a brewery in spring of 2020 when really they were just starting to get into the phase of locking down and and kind of thinking about how they were going to adjust to what was coming ahead, um, and then. Much more recently, you know, I was so fortunate to be able to record a conversation with Marcus Baskerville at Weathered Souls Brewing Company in San Antonio to talk about his Black is Beautiful initiative. And that, you know, that was because we were much further along in, in everything that's happened in the last year. Plus, you know, that was a different kind of perspective. Oh, that's amazing. As you're shifting back into, you know, being open to the public and, um, as people are able to absorb the works a little bit more, are you getting any any feedback or are you getting any you know excitement from from this these artifacts? Definitely. And uh, you know the last year we've all kind of adjusted to working remotely and work you know communicating with people virtually and and holding virtual public programs. and it's uh, you know i'm I'm glad and fortunate that to feel connected to the brewing community during this time, I, th- I imagine we all feel that way. So certainly i've I've received messages of thanks from the brewing community for for you know attempting to record and preserve the history of this time. Last fall, when we hosted our annual Brewing History Public program, which we'll talk about today, of course, we had phenomenal participation in the virtual setting. And so, uh, you know, when we host this event in the museum, um, this annual public program and, and tasting, our theater at the museum sells out at 260 seats. We, that's the capacity of the theater. But last year when we held this event, this conversation virtually, you know, as best we could track, we had, you know, almost 600 logons to the, to the program. And, you know, we assume that um, most are likely watching with a friend or, you know, a housemate or a partner or something. And so, um, you know, we assume that the number of people who were able to participate in the program was just so much larger and, uh, and, you know, more widespread than could fit into our museum. And so that's been a really wonderful, unexpected um, side effect of things that are, that have been happening. Yeah. So, and and for listeners who aren't aware, every year uh, for the past couple of years, and this usually coincides with like Food History Week, you do a, a beer event that usually includes a panel and then a tasting. I believe the last one I went to was in 2019, and you actually had some of the artifacts out 
and available for people to see, which was like, I had a little bit of a moment. (laughs) Um, But so this year, we'll we'll get to the meat of it. Uh, This year, uh, you are doing another event. Um, And so this is kind of like a a lecture seminar with with a couple of panels. And then it also comes with a craft beer box. But while I butcher describing your event, why don't you... You know, <laughs> step in and describe it. <laughs> sure, no, happy to. So, uh, so yes, our our annual public program will take place the evening of Friday, October twenty second, seven to eight fifteen p.m. Eastern time, and we are calling it uh, the the event is is called Last Call. The title this year is Beer Histories Now. It will be a panel discussion among four panelists uh, and myself, and then followed by some audience Q and A. And then this is hosted virtually again in collaboration with Smithsonian Associates. So uh, we're excited to have, again, an even even bigger virtual stage and welcome new audiences to the conversation. But with this year, so I have, I have four fantastic speakers and they all work with beer, but they all work in different settings, different kinds of forums. And so my idea is for the conversation to be about the how of research and storytelling, so the innovative medium or format in addition to the what, the story being told. We have four panelists. So the, the first is um, director uh, Tinu Diver, and she is trained as a lawyer, but she is currently working as a filmmaker, and she is creating a documentary film that's in progress called This Belongs to Us, and it explores the evolution of beer from an art form and a craft that was created by women, uh, primarily in Africa and the East, to a beverage that's now produced and consumed largely by white men in the modern U.S. And so she's kind of asking about the historical and cultural reasons for what has been a very global thing that has come to mean something different in American culture uh, of today. So her film will explore these historical origins. She's going to follow the experiences of a few women brewers in the U.S. South. One of them is Brianna Brake at Spaceway Brewing Company in North Carolina. I should also mention that Diver's grandmother brewed beer in Nigeria. Her family is from Nigeria, so she will have a kind of personal perspective to add to this too. But the second panelist will be Brianna Brake from Spaceway Brewing Company. So we have the director and the brewer who will be able to talk to us together. But Brianna, who is also trained in law and computer science, um, she's brewmaster and owner of Spaceway Brewing Company in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. And she is going to talk about how she uses beer as a medium of communication with her customers. And so how she uses ingredients and brewing techniques and even um, brewery design to serve as a way to communicate. Um, She has a really interesting and really fascinating approach to her artistic practice, which is a focus on Afrofuturism. And she describes that as uh, seeking to imagine a future in which minorities who are as she puts it, scarcely represented in pop culture as they're instead depicted as leading characters in the future. And so her, um, her label designs are beautiful, and, uh, and she'll be on the panel as well. The third panelist is uh, Ruveni Da Silva, and uh, those who are readers of, of beer writing will likely know her name. She's a writer and reviewer who lives in Austin, Texas. She's founder of the South Asian Beer Club, and she's going to talk about working as a beer and travel journalist today. She's written some really wonderful and thought-provoking pieces about um, identity and taste-making in beer, especially as uh, a South Asian woman. And then our fourth and final panelist, uh, Allison Brantley, she's an assistant professor of history at the University of Laverne in California, 
and she's author of a recently published book called Brewing a Boycott, How a Grassroots Coalition Fought Cores and Remade American Consumer Activism. And she will talk about using beer as a lens for historical research and teaching, um, thinking about themes like consumer society and politics and labor history. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, that's our our slate of speakers. (laughs) And then with the, the actual seminar, there is a beer box that comes with it, yes? Yes. So for the second year in a row, we are working with Halftime Beverage Company based in New York, and they did a great job for us last year and this year again to put together an awesome beer box that attendees can order and have shipped to them uh, to arrive in time for the conversation. And um, the the box contains six 16-ounce beers, so good for sharing or not sharing if you are um, <laughs> very thirsty. But the beers are all are fabulous, and uh, the breweries have incredible stories. None of them are typically available in the, um, the DMV area. So this is a really special opportunity to try things that are, um, are not, you know, can't be found on shelves and menus here typically. Yeah, no, I mean, one of them that really stood out to me was the one from Bow and Arrow Brewing Company in Albuquerque, New Mexico. They poured for your event in 2019, correct? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. We're, so we're really happy to have them back for sure. But yeah, this is a, a fabulous brewery. They have one of the most beautiful tap rooms I've ever visited. Located in Albuquerque, they're going to be sending their Denim Tux Blue Corn Lager, which uh, oh, is a, that's an, exceptional. It, it is a very good beer. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's an American Pilsner made with premium New Mexican blue corn, four point nine percent. So they describe it as refreshing and crisp and classic. But this brewery is um, indigenous owned, women owned, LGBTQ owned, and they focus on beers uh, with an emphasis on wild, sour, and barrel aged creations. So they're really good at what they do, and we'll be uh, lucky to have them in the box. No, that's that's amazing. It's it, that was definitely that was definitely the standout brew from the event in 2019 for sure. It, yes, five other good beers in the box too. No, amazing. Yeah, you've got Lady Justice Brewing Company, Eagle Rock out of uh, Los Angeles, uh, Spaceway. I mean, yes, you're definitely packing a, a strong box here. Right. So in Spaceway, you know, again, so we have Brianna the Brewer. Uh, on the panel, um, speaking with the the film director, um, Tinu, but then we will get to enjoy one of Brianna's beers as we hear from her. And uh, she'll be sending her Pirate Jenny Imperial IPA. It's uh, an American double IPA, 8.3%. And she describes it as a strong and bitter double IPA with four hop varieties. But it'll be great to try that. And then the, uh, the other beer that we know specifically at the moment, Lady Justice Brewing Company out of Aurora, Colorado, They'll be sending Sandra Day IPA, which uh, they describe as a classic and straightforward Centennial Citroen Warrior Hop, 7.7%. And as you might guess, it's uh, named in honor of the first woman Supreme Court Justice, Sandra Day O'Connor. They are brewing a fresh batch for us and canning it probably any time now, getting ready to ship. So it's going to be super fresh. Lady Justice has an, an awesome business model, um, similar to Farmers who might use uh, community-supported agriculture models, they call themselves a a CSB, a community-supported brewery. And so people in the area have the option of buying an annual share at $100 each. They just have 150 shares available every year. And so you pay up front, and then paying for a share gets you two 32-ounce growlers every other month of a a new and innovative beer that they make, which... um, 
seems seems like an amazing deal to me, but even better is the fact that they then donate a hundred percent of their profits to local organizations that promote the needs and work of women and girls in the local community. So it's a really, really awesome and innovative business model. No, that's amazing. You know, let's go off on this tangent here. I've I've recently recently been doing a, a little pocket of some freelance writing and a lot of it kind of centers around different breweries quietly doing good. And basically it's just, you know, tiny little feature pieces, you know, 500 to 700 words. But the idea being that breweries, especially craft breweries, are stewards, natural stewards of the community. And, you know, typically they go into their communities and it's they just quietly do as much good as humanly possible or you hope quietly do some some of them jump on some of them jump on the bandwagon but you know it's just the more and more i hear you know all these sustainable efforts and community efforts and outreach and two weeks ago we had brianne allen on as well as LeBaron myers who's the president of not me solutions talking about you know how quickly uh craft brewers are are answering, you know, the call to, you know, renovate. <laughs> I'm trying to find the word. Um, but, you know, fix ourselves a little bit here. And, you know, as somebody who has really studied the craft beer community and has really looked at this through a very academic lens, um, I'm curious, why why do you think craft brewers lend themselves so easily to this this kind of behavior, this this quick call to action and and quick to react and and quick to do good. Right. That's a good question. And, you know, I think thinking even before this current moment of the pandemic, I mean, the beginnings of microbrewed beer, you know, the kind of mythology of microbrewed beer has always been associated with ideals of camaraderie and uh, collaboration and this sense of, uh, you know, banding together with whoever is local and within your community and, you know, sense of kind of um, working toward good, working against some bigger force, you know, at the beginnings, maybe that was the very big breweries and, and microbrewers saw themselves as doing something different. And then, you know, much later, it's, it's perhaps different efforts. And I think over time, you know, there have been some kind of tensions and ideas of camaraderie when, the demographics of American beer are what they are, that the industry has certainly received rightful criticism for not being diverse and not being inclusive in various ways, but certainly seems like in the last several years, like the attention of many brewers has turned or been turned more specifically to those kinds of issues. And so events like, you know, whether it's a kind of a beer that's proceeds go to a particular cause or, you know, whether it's a, you know, collaboration with uh, various community organizations. I think there's, you know, brewers see a lot of opportunity and see themselves as being embedded in particular neighborhoods or particular communities. And that, that it's a kind of, um, it's an effort that brings joy as it serves a purpose. You know, at least that's, that's certainly what I've um, experienced or observed in, in my research and travels. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) So looping back to the event, I just want to make sure people know how to sign up, how to register, all these things. Tickets are still available? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So so yeah, tickets are just $15 for this virtual event. If you go to smithsonianassociates.org 
and search for beer or search for beer histories now. You'll find it quickly. And then um, there's a link on that page or separately to purchase the beer box. And uh, that's available from Halftime Beverage Company. So um, if you go to halftimebeverage.com and search search for Smithsonian, we're keeping the link um, a little bit semi-private or hard to find now just because we want to associate the uh, the box with the tickets if possible. But if you if you mm-hmm. search for Smithsonian, you'll find it. It's uh, $34.99 free shipping. I've mentioned before, something that I've enjoyed being able to do during this virtual time is, uh, you know, because we're not hosting the event in the museum, I'm able to allocate, you know, a decent amount of my budget towards subsidizing the cost of the box. And so, you know, $34.99 for these six I was going to say, you saw me make my, you saw me make my face. I was like, I was like, whoa, six, 16 ounce beers for $34.99 that you would otherwise not find in DC. That's insane. Right. It's a really good deal. And we're, we're probably going to have to, to cut off the sales at some point because they're selling <laughs> well, but that's a good thing. If some of your listeners are in Maryland, um, just because of the intricacies of, of post-prohibition alcohol laws, uh, the halftime does not ship to Maryland, but there's, there are instructions on the page for how you can have your box shipped to Smithsonian Associates and pick it up there. So don't, yeah. don't be afraid if you live in Maryland. Um, and then one other quick thing to mention just about that is that Halftime Beverage, located in New York, their facility was flooded by Hurricane Ida just a few weeks ago. And um, they amazingly shifted everything so quickly to their other location in Poughkeepsie and said, you know, we're going to still be able to handle your event. Everything's going out on time. Yeah. And definitely get your beer orders in uh, by October 10th at noon Eastern time. Yes. That's the, uh, that's the cutoff for guaranteed on-time delivery by the 22nd. I think if you miss it, especially if you live in this area, you should still be pretty optimistic but that you'll get it by the 22nd. But you can keep ordering past the 10th, please do. <laughs> but if you're a little late, I think it's okay too. What a wonderful thing to have to sip while you're, while you're hearing all these really amazing minds come together. That's going to be phenomenal. Well, before we sign off, anything kind of coming up aside from this event that, that you're excited about that you'd want to, you know, kind of clue listeners in or have people go check out at the museum? Well, the museum, so we continue our work with with collecting and uh, oral histories and research. And um, I'll put in a, a, a plug for a fellow uh, friend and uh, colleague in the beer world, which is uh, Liz Garibay's Beer Culture Summit, which will happen in uh, early November, November 4th to 7th, I believe, are the dates for that. But that will be a mix of virtual and in-person programming um, in Chicago and really all over the world. But um, that's the next thing on my docket. I'll be talking about um, hops at the Smithsonian. I work with one of the Smithsonian Gardens horticulturalists. He has kind of spearheaded this collaboration with me, and uh, they grow four varieties of American hops in the Victory Garden outside the American History Museum. They do a wonderful job growing Cascade and Nugget and a, and a couple other varieties. But this year, again, I, I came together with them in September and we harvested the hops. We picked the hops. They go to local home brewers and become delicious beer. And so we are just going to talk on November 5th as part of the Beer Culture Summit about hops at the Smithsonian, but specifically about their use kind of as a public history tool, something that builds community and you know engages the public. And you know it's something that you can taste and touch and smell, you know, unlike so many things in the museum setting, which can be frustrating to people who are, you know, interested in food and drink, and then they come in the gallery and things are behind glass. And so the hops are not behind glass. And, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about 
we'll talk about that on the 5th. Oh, that is so much fun. And I, I mean, at the American History Museum, you do have a pretty stellar cafeteria. So if you do desperately need to smell or eat something, I mean, it's, it's right downstairs. <laughs> and I feel like in this setting, I'm, I'm supposed to be loyal to my home museum, but uh, I don't know, it's hard to not walk across the street to the African American History Museum uh, of Culture, and, and they've, got a, they've got wonderful food there, too. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and and for sharing about this amazing event. I'm very excited and please listeners definitely check it out. It is amazing to get all these people in one place and to talk about, you know, something that is so wonderful, uh, beer. (laughs) I I agree. And as I've been saying, you know, the way I'm thinking about it is you have a, a professor, a filmmaker, a brewer and a writer walk into a bar, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. How, would you, how would you finish that sentence? You know, I've, I've asked them to think about that literally. You know, what do you want to say to each other? You know, what would you talk about over a beer? Because that's what we're going to do. Well, thank you so much, Teresa. I really appreciate it. This has been another episode of Beer Me Radio. Check us out anywhere you get podcasts. Rate, like, subscribe, give all the stars. Reach out to beermeradio at gmail.com or at beermeradio on Instagram. But otherwise, we will see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.